This is Judith Marians in Los Angeles, California, USA. And this is Andrea Kleibel Kurtzman in Vienna, Austria. And welcome to Brava, your podcast guide for women in the creative industries. Today, Judith and I want to talk about when and how to start morphing yourself into the professional woman you want to be at your zenith. And it's important to add that we're not talking about women who are at their zenith here. Judith, if you're just starting out in a professional pursuit or if you've advanced, but not as far as your ambition wants to take you, can you start becoming today what you want to be tomorrow? And if so, how? I think you can. It takes discipline and it takes drive and ambition. But if you think your career will just happen the way you want it, you're probably in for a long ride and maybe a ride to a place that's no place special. It's not difficult to become the architect of your career. A very effective way to do that is to choose a role model who's in a position you'd like to be in someday or has become the kind of professional you'd like to be. You can even have several role models, both male and female, who have certain attributes that you'd like to attain and that also fit with your goals and your values. You shouldn't imitate anybody, but you should adapt some of their motivation and methods. Study them. What do they look like? How do they dress? What does their appearance say about them? How do they present themselves in a room? How do they speak? Who are their friends and acquaintances? How do they treat others? What are their pursuits outside of work? What interests do they associate themselves with if they have a significant role in their community or profession? What career path has been their path? And what distinguishes them from everyone else in the field? What puts them in the headlines? Create a detailed profile and keep adding to it as you dig deeper and get more exposure to them. It's a big undertaking, but it's definitely worth it. Similar to doing a case study in business school, I suppose. Basically, it is a case study. But if you're serious, you will approach it as if it were the final exam in an MBA program. You'll start researching everything you can find about your role model or role models online. There's lots online in trade journals. Start reading the trade journals that they're involved in and in their public appearances. And then tell yourself you are willing to roll up your sleeves and do the hard work to develop their admired traits and knowledge and mean it. How are you going to use this file of information? First, ask yourself, this is such an important question. What's the difference between you today and your role model today? Write it down. How large is the gap between where she's at and where you're at? Write it down. Then make a plan for closing each gap. Write that down. Years ago, I came across a Harvard study that found that graduates that wrote down their plans for their future careers were much more successful and also made much more money than those that just kept that plan in mind. So commit. Write it down. Have you yourself used this approach? Can you give me an example? Well, when I started out, there just weren't many women executives in my work environment. So I not only looked at the few successful women as role models, but also successful men and people outside my industry. First, I looked at how they presented themselves, since the initial impression really carries a lot of weight. What exactly do you mean by how they present themselves? What they look like, 
how they act in a room, what the behavior is with other people, what they do in an exchange with others. In my field, entertainment law, the dress was usually classic, a bit on the conservative side. We're supposed to look serious with touches of something interesting, for me anyway, a scarf, a hat, a good-looking pair of shoes. And then I started building a wardrobe along those lines in a way that fitted my age and shape, of course. Since I didn't have a lot of money at the time, I found nice copies of good clothes. I began buying not very expensive, but interesting jewelry, brooches, necklaces. I happened to like those. These were one of a kind. And people started noticing the pieces and commenting on them. You want to be noticed for the right reasons. In this case, for me, it was interesting taste. What about how your role model acted in the room? What can you say about that? A lot of people think that if you are in charge, then you act bossy, maybe even rude, maybe even threatening. I found that the best leaders, the ones that got the greatest support, which of course will enable you to be more successful, listen well and they speak simply and directly. They don't use five-syllable words. They talk to be understood, not to show off. They know who they are. They don't have to show off. They also exude authority and deal with it well. If they ever had to turn someone around, they did it in a way that did not embarrass that person. Humiliating as an exercise of power, which I've seen, is a bad thing to do. People fear you, but they won't like you and will not go the extra mile for you, nor will they cover your back. If you want to be at the top of your field, you want everyone beneath you and around you to be cheering for your success and helping make it happen. So you should develop a polite, respectful, and clear way of exchange. Watch how the best do it in the news, in a conference, in the general business environment. Behave like they do. People will not only like you, but they will remember you favorably, and they will support you in your goals. That's very helpful advice. What else goes into your business study? How did your role model get noticed, get a leg up? If you want to be the one in a million, you cannot be like everybody else because then you'll be one of the million and not the one in a million. Did they choose to work for someone even in a lowly position so they could learn just from being in the room? Did they take extracurricular work in charities or organizations that expose them to people they would otherwise never get to? Did they start a company-wide drive such as Toys for Kids at Christmas or a company softball team? What did they do early on that put them in the mix with people that they want to be amongst in the future and then show no light on them? Figure out what is going on around you that's admirable, what you can create or participate in, then join in and do a great job. I joined a union group that supported older retired people and helped rebuild their homes and organize them. And there I was with a group of people hammering and nailing and cleaning up. But I was with the head of the union and I was with the head of studios. I never could have gotten in the room with them otherwise. So Judith, what were some of the other moves that you made that shone a light on you? I joined everything I could in my industry. Women entertainment lawyers, when I was starting out, we were very few. And later on, many of these women became resources of information and connections. I was involved in the early days of women in film, and I sat on the board of directors and met women in all aspects of entertainment. And then there were film marketing and export associations. I sat on their boards. I did whatever was needed. 
I took part in various conferences. I did book editing. Whatever I heard of that would put me together with others on my path or with leaders of the pact, I signed up for. I made contacts. And most importantly, I learned something new everywhere I went. One time I was in a meeting with a big executive discussing some international trade deal, and he pulled a recently published reference book off the shelf. When he opened it, my name appeared on page one as one of the editors. I might only have been a proofreader in that project. I just can't remember. But I do remember how my counterpart reacted with a shade more respect. So start being the next Jew by being with those people who are already the next Jew in whatever positive way you can. If it adds extra work to your schedule, it's going to be worth it. And need I say, whatever you participate in, bring your very best, both in work product and persona. What about people who are at the top of where you want to go because of superior knowledge or superior talent? How do you emulate that? When you realize that they have a talent or a knowledge that's beyond your scope or skill, it's a good place to take inventory. If in being honest with yourself, you realize you don't have the skill or education or extraordinary brains or special gift to be the top person in your chosen field, then make the adjustment to where you can eventually excel. There are lots of levels in which you can do really well and feel good about yourself. Now, this is different from feeling inadequate to hold the reins because of being insufficiently schooled or experienced. If that is the gap you are facing, then of course the remedy is to educate yourself and to work at the challenge and to learn it inch by inch, keep at it until you develop enough skill and knowledge to launch yourself onto a new level. I recall working on a multi-million dollar deal and I had no apprehension. And I realized that a few years before this particular endeavor, I was really incapable of talking to a banker or dealing in millions of dollars without stuttering. At that time, the early time, I got a job that thrust me into bank loans and lines of credit. I did as much study as fast as I could and did deal after deal. Inch by inch, I went from feeling desperate to feeling like I belonged at the table. I did the hard work. When taking on a big challenge, never confuse tough to master with impossible to learn. Tough to master means you can do it. Impossible to learn means change your direction. This is so important and so important, especially in this field that we work on, because what you're saying is similar to an athlete going into training, the tennis player who wants to play at Wimbledon someday, the dancer who wants to dance in the Royal Ballet, and all the work they put into achieving excellence every day, hour after hour. Yes. And it's so important to note the mental imprint of athletes. They think, I am a dancer. I am a tennis pro. Not someday I will be. If you think you are, you will act in a way and train in a way and be willing to do the work that goes along with your being your future self. So keep in mind that you are that person now and that you're polishing your skills and knowledge. I have to think of a story now that I remember seeing a cello teacher teaching young children, four-year-olds, and, you know, they barely know their name at that age, but she would say to them, you're not practicing the cello, you are a cellist. And it was amazing how these little children immediately perked up and felt proud and worked harder. So is there an easier way to make your way up the ladder than that? Well, the quickest way, of course, is to become a mentee 
or a protege of someone who holds the keys to the kingdom or the keys to the kingdom you want to get to. And that person is willing to groom you. Why does that succeed? And how does someone avoid just getting stuck as the person who files and answers phones and instead becomes an ascending star? First off, to become a mentee or a protege, you have to seek out someone who likes passing off work to an associate or who can use the kind of help you will show him or her you have to offer. So your first challenge is to observe the field that you're in. And you need to be nicer and more efficient and more helpful than any other person who ever sat at that desk. Many assistants I've met who have been polite and gracious with visiting VIPs, not even their mentor, were stolen away by a VIP to a bigger and better job. Good people are hard to find and they are noticed and they get stolen. That can't be emphasized enough. That's true. How do you spot the right prospective mentor? A top studio executive once told me, if you want to get ahead, look for a place that's in chaos and you'll rise to the top. So look for the busiest desk, the person with a million things to handle or the biggest challenges to face or someone in the midst of a huge transaction. Choose the right individual and someone involved in what you'd like to take charge of someday or who can put you in the mix with people who are going to further your career and teach you a lot. How does someone get entry to such a person? Of course, picking the job setting in which you want to work and where you want to build a future is the start. Whoever is running that show may be a mentor for you, or even a more junior executive could be a mentor for you. Then you have to get yourself noticed without being obnoxious. We talked about ways to do that previously. If you're housed in the same environment, try to get your workspace close to the powers that be so that you're seen every day and have the opportunity to meet and greet. Those daily niceties can count. An acquaintance of mine was working on a television show in wardrobe. He came into the studio very early in the morning and saw the mega star, really big star of the show in the corridors. There were only the two of them. He said good morning using her married name and not her stage name. He showed a special consideration for her. She later asked for him to handle her wardrobe from then on. Get the nice boy with the blonde hair, she said. He learned lots about producing a television series from just being at her side for the run of the show and listening to the directives she gave everyone. And she asked for him on her next series. Put yourself where you can be seen and act nice. So the takeaway is be the architect of your career. Build it by a detailed study of an admired role model and with what you learn. Put yourself in training today for the person you want to be tomorrow. Next time, we'll be talking about how to change someone's mind. Thank you for listening to Brava. If you'd like to follow us, please go to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Amazon Podcasts and rate us. You'll also find us on social media and www.brava.productions.